Guys, go with me today to Judges chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 out of the NIV version. There's Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 in the NIV. As you go in there, I want to give you some background. A couple of weeks ago, I did share a message out of Judges, so we, we sit in here a little bit. But Judges is simply a book about God raising up uh, individuals to come and rescue his people, the Israelites, as they would fall into rebellion and begin to worship uh, the other gods around them. We actually even see in chapter two, it says the Lord, when, when he told the, the Israelite people, he had promised them the land of Canaan to go and to, to fight for the land. It said that he kept some of their enemies in the land to test them because there was a new generation that had crossed over the Jordan uh, to take hold of the promises of God. But it said he kept the enemies in the land to see if they would be obedient to him. And so we see this cycle, this ongoing. Um, they're following the Lord. <laughs> now they're in rebellion. They're following the Lord. Now they're in rebellion. And at the end of chapter three, we see a man by the name of Ehud who is left handed. That is what is unique uh, about his time as a judge. He was a left handed man. And this allowed him as he was engaging with the Moabite king Eglon to actually hide a weapon. So he had went to uh, the town to pay tribute. He, he seeks a private meeting with the king. He says, the Lord has something to say to you. And he's able to get through the security and the guards and stuff because he has it. He has his weapon hidden in a different place than it normally would be. So because he's left handed, he's able to hide it. He takes it. He strikes the king in the stomach. He kills the king. He frees the Israelites from the oppression of the Moabites. So they are relieved. And during the time of Ehud, the Israelites, they begin to obey the commands of the Lord. But then after he passes, the Israelites go back into rebellion. And this is where we're going to pick up here in Judges chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse Verse one through 10 here. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. Sisera, the commander of the army, was based in Harosheth Hagayim. Some some difficult names to pronounce there <laughs> because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Labadoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have the disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinam from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, <laughs> I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. 
There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went with him. God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that it is a blessing to us. God, it is correcting, it's moving, it's speaking, it's talking into some of those hard places that have been sealed up. You are sensitizing, sensitizing them and you coming in and you moving and you breathing life and hope and wholeness. We thank you for that. We honor you for that. It's in your son Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Guys, I'm, I'm so excited that we are entering into celebrating women this month. It's Women's Month here in SA, and we want to do it right. <laughs> we want to celebrate, appreciate the women, not only in our community, uh, but in our city and in this beautiful country. Uh, man, the sacrifices that have been made, uh, the prayers that have been prayed, the leadership that has been shown uh, throughout the years has been amazing. On the 9th of August, here we will celebrate actually Women's Day within the month. Um, and it's, I think sometimes we forget what actually took place on this day in 1956. There were over 20,000 women that marched to the union buildings to protest the past laws that were being extended for women. And when I think about the, the act uh, that they engaged in, man, what courage, uh, what bravery, what leadership that it took at that time to not only do that in the moment, to, but to think beyond themselves. So what they were doing, they weren't just thinking about themselves, but they were thinking about the next generation. And they were thinking about the next uh, group of women uh, that, would, that would come into the world, that would come into society. And we're thankful for them. We're thankful for uh, their boldness. We thank you for the, the character that they had and the willingness to be able to go. Um, and to do what was needed to do in the time. And as I'm thinking about those women then and the women uh, that we get to engage and interact with now, I'm reminded of Deborah, who's in this passage of Scripture. A woman full of the Holy Spirit, a woman full of strength, full of wisdom, full of character, a woman that was a leader. And I want to encourage us today with this Scripture, with the women that are out there watching, the men who may be watching, for us to continue to create space for women to step into their leadership. The scripture, it starts off and it's telling us about the Israelites who are continuing in this cycle. They're continuing in this cycle of sin. It said God left some of these nations to, to actually test them and they keep failing the test over and over and over and over again. And as they would fail the test, they would cry out. And God being a good father would hear the cries of his children. And he doesn't want to leave them <laughs> to their, their pain and to their suffering, so he would raise up judges. And so the judges, they, they were great because they would come and they would deliver and they would free the people. But there wasn't a sustainable change in the spiritual condition of the people. So they would only do good as long as this judge lived. And then as soon as the judge died, they would go back into rebellion. So we don't see any sustainable change that's happening in their spiritual condition. This was also a responsibility of the Levites, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, to help instruct the people 
in the ways of the Lord and, and help them walk the straight and narrow path. So God continues to raise up judges. They continue to go into rebellion. But we see God get really angry. He gets really angry in chapter four. Uh, but he's also a God of grace. He keeps giving them chances. He keeps raising up a judge. He, he, he doesn't come and destroy them, but we see his mercy. But this one particular time, he hands them over to the king of the Canaanites, this King Jabin. Now, this is really interesting because it was the Canaanites whose land that he had given to the Israelites. This is a group of people that Noah actually cursed. So when God had allowed the earth to be flooded and um, he had chosen Noah and to preserve life and a group of animals and the land dries up and Noah, he ends up getting drunk. And one of his sons, Ham, walks in, sees his nakedness and goes and tells everybody. And it's because of this act, Noah curses the descendants of Ham. And so what is happening here in this moment shows the anger of God that he's turning the Israelite people over into the hands of a group of people that Noah has cursed. He's turning them over into the hands of the enemies. And it seems kind of <laughs> cruel at the time, but God's heart is that as they get turned over into the hands of the enemies, they get turned over to themselves is that it would lead them to the end of themselves into a place of repentance and they would turn from their ways. I remember when I was 18 years old, uh, my last year, grade 12, man, I had things set up. So I was doing well academically. I was doing well athletically. I had set up my schedule where it was going to be an easy year, no stress. Wasn't going to be a lot of hard classes. I was just going to kind of Ease, ease, ease my way through, take care of business and be good. And I did this because I just wanted to have fun. You know, I wanted to party a little bit. I wanted to, 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 to go out. And I think when you at that age, you have a lot of information at the tip of your fingers. You have a lot of um, understanding. You have a lot of knowledge. You and I think you take all of those things and you become a know it all a little bit. <laughs> but you don't have life experience. So you know a lot, you're learning a lot, your, your mind is open to receive, but you haven't yet been able to live those things out. And as I was living in my house, <laughs> my knowledge and wisdom and understanding kept on bumping into the head of my dad, <laughs> my dad's life experience. So I thought, hey, I'm of age, I can vote, I'm 18 years old, I should be able to move and go as I please. And so we would have some hard conversations around my curfew when I needed to be at the house. I didn't think I needed to have a curfew. I can, I can govern myself. I know when I need to come in <laughs> when it's not appropriate for me to, to be out. And my dad didn't see it that way. So basically I was treating my house like it was an Airbnb because I wasn't independent. I couldn't, I couldn't support myself, but I wanted to come and go as I please. And my parents was like, nah, bro, you can't do that. We, we losing sleep at night because we don't know who's coming into our house. If you even made it home, like what's going on? We have no idea. You, you have to come in at a, at a set time. And I'm like, nah, I, I, I don't think I want to do that. 
<laughs> I don't think I can do that. And my parents said, okay, this is the way that you want to live. This is the path that you want to take. Go for it, but you're not going to do it in our house. If you're going to be in our house, you're going to have to follow the curfew and the rules that we've set. Now, the curfew that my parents had set, it wasn't to harm me. It was actually for my safety. It was actually for my protection. But being in the moment, being 18, YOLO, living my best life, I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to do what I thought was right. And eventually my parents saw the stubbornness in me and that my heart was hardened and that I would not change and would not abide by their rules. And they said, you got to go. <laughs> so they turned me over to myself. They allowed me to do what I thought was right. And it's, it's, it's a longer story to it, but it didn't last long. <laughs> but my parents, they did what they did. My father did what he did, not to hurt me, but in hopes that I would turn from my ways and change my behavior, change my engagement with them, change how I was interacting and, and, and how I saw things from a bigger picture. This is where the Israelite community is at. God has turned them over to themselves. He turned them over into the hands of their enemies. He's saying, if you want to go worship their gods, go for it. <laughs> if, if you want to go and engage with these people in this way, go do it. The Israelites were oppressed by the Canaanites for 20 years. For 20 years, King Jabin oppressed them. And there was a commander named Sisera. And man, he had over 900 chariots that were fitted out with iron. He had horses. Man, they had real military presence and power. So they were putting their thumb on the Israelites. And so the Israelites, they begin to cry out, God, this is enough. God, help us, save us, deliver us from these people. But he, all he did was give them what they, what they wanted. But God being a good God, he begins to move on their behalf. And we see a woman, a woman named Deborah, enter into the picture. A woman is created in the image and likeness of God. Deborah was a woman. Deborah was also a prophet. So a prophet was one who would hear from God, would be the voice of God in this particular uh, time, she was in the office of a prophet. So she would hear from God and would be the voice for the people and would hear from God clearly, not in, not in riddles, not in trying to guess, but she was a woman who God spoke to directly. So here we have a woman and a prophet during a time where it is a male-dominated society. The systems have been set up for men. The structures have been set up for men. But God chooses a woman. God chooses Deborah. And he gives her the grace and the gift of functioning as a prophet. I want to take us back to Genesis 3 and 16. We see Adam and Eve. And there's this tree that God puts in the garden. And he says, don't eat from this tree. If you eat from this tree, surely you're going to die. And what do they do? They eat from <laughs> the tree. 
and they go and they hide. God finds out and he comes and he deals with everybody. First, he deals with Satan, but then he begins to deal with Eve. And the consequence of, of their disobedience for Eve specifically, he said, when you have children, it's going to be painful. Childbearing is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. He also said that you are no longer going to, your desire is not going to be for me. It's going to be for your husband. He also said that your husband <laughs> is going to try to rule over you. We have taken that passage of scripture and we have received those things as if they are okay. This is how God wants things to be. But we forget as God was communicating this was with Eve, this was out of a place and as a result of the consequences of sin entering into their world. These are the results of brokenness. This is the consequence of sin. God does not want a woman to desire her husband more than she desires him. God does not want another human being lording over and controlling over another human being. God desires for that to be him. He wants to be Lord. He wants to be desired. And in this picture in Judges, we see almost the, a, a glimpse of redemption, a glimpse of restoration. It says that Deborah, it names Deborah, and then it says she was with her husband, Labadoth. So here we have a couple. We have a man and a woman. Deborah is operating in who she is. She is a prophet. She is gifted. She hears from God. She desires the Lord. Her husband is not lording over her, but he's actually standing with her. He's actually standing beside her. And he's not threatened about who she is. He's not threatened that she is a, a woman, but he sees the gift of God on her life and is standing in agreement with her in appreciation of her and in celebration of what God is doing in her and through her. It also said Deborah is not only a prophet, she's not only a woman, but it said that she was leading the nation. So we see that she is a leader. It didn't say she was a consultant. It didn't say that she was a coach. It didn't say that God asked for her advice sometimes. It said that Deborah was leading the nation of Israel. I want that to sit in a little bit for you. Here's a woman in a male-dominated time leading a nation. This is not by accident. It's not by default. I remember growing up in church and I was taught that Deborah was chosen to be a leader because there were no men that were available. <laughs> this is false. It is a lie. God chose Deborah as a judge and raised her up for a time such as this. She is a prophet. She is a woman. She is a leader. And then we also see that she is a judge. It said that she would stand under the palm. And that people would bring their issues from all over the place. They would bring them to Deborah and she would she would use her wisdom. She would use her understanding. She would use her knowledge to make a just decision. So she was also a lover of justice. 
man, what a phenomenal woman. What a multi-skilled, multi-tasked woman who heard from the Lord, who's standing in, a, in, in, in agreement with a, with a husband, has the support of a husband. She's leading the nation and she's judging well. This is who God has raised up during a time where the Israelites have been oppressed for 20 years. This is who he's raised up as he's heard the cries of his children, as he's heard his sons and daughters. He's raised up Deborah. And Deborah understands what's going on. She has knowledge of what's happening. And she summons Barak. She says, send for him. Tell him to come here. Barak comes because he recognizes her authority. It's not an authority that man has given her. It is a natural God-given authority that she's flowing and she's moving in. God has raised her up to be a judge. She, she, she didn't go through some theological school and, and, and training from what we read. She was called by God to do the things that she was doing. And Barak, he recognizes this on her life, which is why he answers and he gets there and she begins to speak on the behalf of the Lord. She says, Barak, go to your, your, the towns of Naphtali and Zebulun and I want you to mobilize some men. I want you to mobilize 10,000 men and I want you to go to the, to the mountain of Tabor. So she's giving him position. She's giving him strategic instructions on how to move forward for the nation of Israel so they can be freed from the oppression of the Canaanites. And she says, as you do this, I'm going to lead Sisera, the commander of the armies, into the, the, the lower region where the river is, and there's going to be victory. So she is speaking out of a place of confidence. She is speaking out of a place of knowing. She is speaking out of something that the Lord has told her, and she's communicating it when everybody else is saying something different. Think about this now. They've been being oppressed for 20 years and Deborah is saying now is the time. Mobilize. Go get these men together and gather. The Lord has placed victory in our hands. He's placed victory in our life. This is Deborah, the woman, the prophet and the leader. I remember when our family was in a time of of transition and our support network had been stripped out from under us, mentors, pastors, leaders that had invested in our life. It was, it was a season like in the desert. And, and I was personally struggling with purpose. I was looking for some direction for, for our family, guidance for our family. There were some financial decisions that we had to make. Uh, God has spoken some things to my heart, but I was wrestling with them because of the way things had happened. Now I was questioning. What was going on? Was this stuff still true? And this led me to begin to cry out to God. God, are you here? Are you listening? Are you watching? Do you understand what's going on? And I remember God spoke to me during this time and he said, I'm going to bring somebody into your life that's going to help lead you and guide you into some of these things that you have questions about. But don't look for the familiar. 
the person that I'm going to bring into your life is going to look very different than what you're used to. The person that God brought into my life was a woman. It was a woman full of the Holy Spirit, a woman full of understanding, of wisdom, of knowledge, who could discern the times who could sit across the table from me and look me in my eyes and ask me questions nobody else had ever asked me in my life. A woman who knew when to be silent and let me talk. A woman who knew how to ask hard questions. A woman who knew how to challenge me. It was a woman who could hear clearly from the Lord and she began to speak life into my life. And because she began to speak life, it helped give me direction and guidance for our family. And she spoke from a place of confidence. She spoke from a place of knowing who she was. She spoke from a place of her gifting and the grace that was upon her life. And it was because she had stepped into this and she had embraced who she was and the leader that she was, there was a Monty that was built up. There was a Monty that was invested in. There was a Monty who grew. There was a Monty who was discipled. There was a Monty who grew closer to the Lord. This is what's happening as Deborah is giving direction to Barak about what needs to happen, not only for him, but for a nation, for people that have been crying out for years and years and years and years. Barak gets there and him and Deborah, they begin to engage in this conversation. And he says something quite interesting. He says, I'll only go if you go with me. If you don't go, I'm not going. If you don't go, Deborah, I'm not going. So we hear Barak speaking out of a place of a mindset an oppressed mindset. He's speaking out of what has been. So God is trying to deliver them and free them, but he has a slave mindset. So God's speaking and he's telling them how to move forward, but he's full of fear. And he's full of fear because he's used to oppression. He's used to somebody having his hand on him. He's used to feeling captured. And so when somebody begins to talk about freedom and somebody begins to talk about victory and he can't see it, it's a struggle for him. He knows that they don't have the force to overcome the armies of Jabin. He knows that Sisera is a cruel commander. He knows that they don't have chariots that will match the chariots of the Canaanites. So there's, he's going through the logic in his head. And he's saying, OK, I'll go, but I'll only go if you go with me. This is the type of assurance he had in the leadership of Deborah. This is the type of confidence that he had in her. This is what he saw on her life. The gift that he that he saw in her, the grace that he saw upon her life. I only go, Deborah, if you go with me. This is what he's saying. And I love how Deborah meets him where he's at. She doesn't call him a coward. She doesn't talk down to him. 
She doesn't treat them as less than a man. She doesn't demonize them. She doesn't tear them down. She says, okay, certainly, certainly I'll go with you. There's a boldness there. There's a, there's a courage there. There's somebody that's not walking in fear. She says, certainly I'll go with you. So she is being empathetic to where Barack finds himself. She understands everybody is not going to catch things and get it and move how she's moving. She understands that and she meets him where he's at. But she doesn't take this responsibility away from him. And this is what God does with us. Maybe you find yourself in a season and you're saying, but God, I, I can't see it. I can't see the victory over this thing in my life. Man, I've been wrestling with it. I've been struggling with it for 20 years. And now you're telling me that I can just go position myself here and, there's gonna, and, and, and I'm going to have victory in it. He, he can't see it. He's still operating out of this oppressed mindset. And Deborah is being empathetic. But she also doesn't remove the responsibility. God also doesn't remove the responsibility from us. Sometimes we have to walk into things being fearful while still carrying the responsibility. And trust that God is going to break through. Deborah says something interesting after she says, I'll go with you. She says, because you've taken this course, this course of action, you chose to engage with this this way. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to go with you. Everything's going to be good. God is still going to move. But she says, you won't get the you won't get the honor for it. You won't get the honor for it. You're going to fight the battle. But somebody else is going to get the honor of capturing and killing the king. And it's going to be a woman. It's going to be a woman. Now, you would think as she's saying this to Barack, that she's talking about herself. Right. She is the prophet. She is the one who hears from God about what to do. It, it should be her name that they sing about. It should be her name that they talk about the, the victory belongs to. She is the judge. She is the leader. She's the one who's making the decision and making all of this stuff happen. Surely Deborah is talking about herself. She's saying that sister is going to be delivered into her hands. But she's not. Deborah is actually talking about another woman. Another woman that's not in her tribe. Another woman that actually is in alliance with her enemies. She's saying another woman is going to get the honor for this. What an amazing leader who is willing to create space for others to receive honor, to, to allow another woman to, to get the victory, to allow another woman's name be spoken of. She doesn't feel threatened. She doesn't feel like she has to be close-handed. 
but she's, she's willing to create space for somebody else to be honored. Man, what a beautiful picture of leadership for us all. To be willing to create space for others to step into what God has placed upon their life. To see it, to speak it, and, 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 and not just to have it up here in our head, but to actually allow for it to happen. They go on <laughs> and they have victory and they conquer Sisera and they conquer the army and the Israelites are relieved from the oppression of the Canaanites. It's a couple of things I want to encourage us with today. One is the women that are watching today, man, we need your leadership. We need the gift that God has placed upon your life. We need the grace that you walk in. Whatever that is, we need you to, to, to step into those things. Man, and we've done a bad job as men creating space for you to do that. We actually have been the ones actually holding you down and keeping you from doing it. But today we're saying, come. Come and, and step into the place that you're supposed to be leading in. Whatever that is, and I know that looks different for different women because we have different capacities. Some is in the home, some is at your work, some is with your friends, it's in different spaces. But come and bring everything that you have and for, for, for God to use you in, in that capacity. We celebrate you, we affirm the gift upon your life. We affirm who you are and we, we, we love you. And for my, my women, <laughs> that you have stepped in that place. Uh, you are leading, you are on the forefront of things. Men, will you create space for other women? Will you allow for somebody else that maybe you don't even know to get the honor? Will you create space for them? Will you allow God to also use them to move and speak and do what he wants to do in their life so the world and society and our church can move forward? That's my prayer for us today. Will you bow your heads? I want to pray with you. God, we thank you. We thank you for glimpses like this, glimpses of, of redemption, glimpses of restoration. We thank you for pictures like this of, of amazing and powerful women that you use in the scripture. Man, maybe there's a young lady who is uh, watching this morning, a woman, older woman who's watching and maybe for quite some time in your life, you, you've always been told <laughs> you can't lead, you can't prophesy, you can't judge, uh, you can't be who God called you to be. Man, we pray that you are freed from that thought, you're freed from those voices who have spoke that over your life. And that you can walk in Christ you can walk in who he's called you to be, created in his image and in his, and in his likeness. God, we, we, we pray that, God, that mindsets are being 
being changed, that strongholds are being broken, even for men that are watching today. And maybe they've had an idea of how things are supposed to function. They actually like how they function because they're in control. God, we, we pray that you would remove that stronghold out of their life. God, even the fear of not having a place at the table. God, allow them to see that there's room for everybody. That them operating in their gift does not mean that somebody else has to be low. But there's, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for this picture in the scripture. We thank you for the life of Deborah. And we thank you for the Deborahs that you're raising up in our generation. We love you. We honor you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.